So what's on Hacker News? Well, all sorts of stuff since we we last recorded. Um, but I cannot start without talking about HBO Max. You you're an HBO Max uh, subscriber. Boy, am I! And you're an HBO Max moocher. <laughs> moocher, yes. <laughs> but unfortunately, the moocher gets you the content, but doesn't get you the good content, which is integration <laughs> test email number one. <laughs> oh man! Did you I get integration there. test email number one? Boy, did I! Wow! I was sitting at a bar with two of our friends in Harvard Square, and we all like you know there was a lull in conversation or what have you and i like checked my email and i was like i just got this email from hbo max and they both checked their email and they'd both gotten the email <laughs> as well at the exact same moment and then we were like looking around and like uh all right i this probably isn't actually true but i had this impression that like everyone around me in harvard square that was checking their phone was simultaneously receiving this email from hbo max and then like talking about it with their friends they were with that's incredible. And it was like a scene in a movie where everyone gets like a ding. Everyone's phones start dinging yeah. at the same time, you know. It was incredible. Wow. Um, yeah, somebody got it in – I was in a car and we somebody was checking their uh, was checking their emails and, and everybody started talking about it. Um, <laughs> pretty crazy. So for people who didn't hear it, everybody, a lot – most people with HBO Max got this accidental test email integration test email number one that contained just the text this template is used by integration tests only <laughs> it was a it was a kind of moment twitter is made for it really where, yes like it started like everyone was talking about it like just the fact that it happened and then it kind of pivoted into this whole uh like oh i guess after hbo max announced that it was actually an intern who did well, this this is what i want to go deep on but yes all right, go ahead. Go deep. Okay. HBO Max help Twitter account. Come on. Their tweet. They tweet. We apologize for the inconvenience. And as the jokes pile in, yes, it was the intern. No, really. And we're helping them through it. Heart emoji. Okay. Heart emoji okay. is important. Heart, heart, heart emoji. First of all, what a way. I mean, really throwing their intern under the bus. Really dodging responsibility here. <laughs> Now, I'm torn because all of Twitter came to this intern's defense. Yep. Like, it seems to be the entirety of of tech Twitter was, like, tweeting out, like, their worst intern or dumbest tech things. So, in some sense, I do like that we got confirmation that it was the intern because everybody rushed to, the, to this person's support. Yeah. But but what a dodge from the HBO Max. What, what, what about this intern's manager? Why don't, why don't they step up and take some responsibility for this? This is a this is think, a team organization here. I love it. I wonder if anyone's managed to figure out the identity of the intern. Wow, <laughs> they that like would be a good investigation. All of yeah. the uh, the LinkedIn people who've like you know are interning this summer at HBO Max <laughs> try to figure out which teams they're working on, who's doing the integration tests <laughs> for the email system. Oh man. But yeah, after this, dear intern was trending because everyone replied to this tweet saying, dear intern, you know, yada, yada. And like saying their like their worst thing that they've done in their jobs, you know, deleting databases or what have you. And it was a it was a beautiful moment of solidarity. It was it was a good moment of solidarity. Yep. So uh, good job, HBO Max help for uh, 
for kickstarting that. Oh, it was just, I think they did a good job phrasing this tweet to make it uh, uh, clearly non-accusatory. That's true. Uh, and yeah. in good, yeah, yeah. Uh, in good. It faith. definitely wasn't accusatory, but it was a, yeah. it was a little bit of like, a, this isn't our fault, you know. Mm-hmm. Just a just a they snuck it in a little bit. That's true. Yeah. Wow. Good. I wonder how this intern feels about it. It's kind of cool. Like, it would be it would be kind of fun to have a line on your resume that's like I sent the integration <laughs> testing email at HBO Max. Max. <laughs> oh yes, I'm sure this will be a moment we all remember for years to come. You'll be able to make integration test email jokes, you know, in 2030, and people will be like, "Oh, yes, that event we all remember." <laughs> I wonder what the lifespan on this is going to be. People might already be confused that we're talking about it. Yeah. A week later. That's uh, roughly what I was going to say. A uh, bit of a drama here around Matthew Butterick, uh, who you are a big fan of. I'm a big he fan of. He is the uh, big racket contributor and uh, big typography guy. He makes practical typography. Uh, we talked about it when Practical Typography 2.0 came out, uh, or rather when it was on Hacker News, which was actually like months, if not almost a year after it actually had come out. Yeah. Um, and he published a blog post called Why I No Longer Contribute to Racket and uh, basically just, like, really calls out this guy, Matthias Falaisen, uh, Falaisen, something like that, uh, who is part of the Racket core team and who was just, like, was, like, very, uh, seemed to, like, specifically target, uh, you know, Matthew Butterick with, like, verbal abuse for, like, quite a long period of time uh pretty weird kind of seemingly without reason seems like he's just like kind of a toxic guy um he gives us gives a specific incident of uh him giving a, a big talk at racket school 2018 um it was based on material from beautiful racket which is uh, matthew butterick's other book and you know spent like you know weeks working on this uh big talk uh and then i guess the first day of talks at this uh racket school didn't even include Matthew Butterick's talk, uh, but I guess like the other t- people who were giving talks that day, kind of like it didn't go very well, and so uh, Falizen just started like, like he was mad in this meeting after day one, and just started like specifically attacking Butterick, even though he hadn't even given his talk yet, which is uh, very wild. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. So literally, just uh, just <laughs> there's not there's not even much to. Uh, to dig into here uh but you know at the end of the day yeah go ahead i was i'm trying to figure out like what i would do in that scenario but it's just such a weird i feel like i've so rarely been in that scenario where like somebody's just lashing out at me for absolutely no reason like i haven't even Mm -hmm. done the thing i was supposed to do yet before getting like harsh criticism yeah it's a weird it's a weird spot to be in it's so odd and it was, and it, from what it says, you know, he was expressing kind of generic, you know, displeasure with how things had gone. And then it just like, he just like turned his attention on Butterick specifically. So it's kind of an interesting uh, choice for Butterick to do this, to mention any of this now. And he, he explains kind of his reasoning, but, you know, he's got a pretty big, like, uh, audience, I guess, Matthew Butterick. And so to do this and like call out someone specifically is, uh, you know, it's a pretty big deal to do so. Like a lot, he knew that a ton of people were gonna were gonna read this, yeah, and that it would like cause like a lot of you know internet angst or internet uh, uh, anger towards towards this guy. 
Um, so I, I guess it, you know, and Butterick seems like a very reasonable guy. So it seems like, uh, well, I'm basically, it must have been pretty bad <laughs> for yeah. him to think that this was worth it. Right. Um, anyway, there was a, a simple apology that went out, I guess, uh, the day after. That was just like an apology by this guy, uh, basically saying, oh, yeah, I I uh, talked to some people about that particular staff meeting, uh, which I didn't really remember. And I think I can put myself in your shoes now. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty weak sauce apology. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, basically just saying like, yeah, I, I need to act like I'm the oldest and most experienced in the room. I got overly emotional. Um, I guess I must, yeah, it, it's kind of like, I must have directed angry words at you. Like yeah. as if he's like, you know, hearing the story for the first time, <laughs> which is uh, a bold, interesting take. But, yeah, it's a, it's a strong start, I would say, for the apology. You know, first two <laughs> lines. He's got the line, I am truly sorry in italics. Yep. I, th- I think strong start. After that, I agree, kind of falls off in terms of strength of apology. Yep. Though uh, then all the HN comments are just uh, literally uh, just talking about how no one, no internet apology has ever been well received in the history <laughs> of the internet. So, um, oh, you know, actually, the comments that I'm thinking of uh, are actually on this uh, other story that we don't need to dig into, but it's just called, uh, let's see here what it's like to be canceled. And uh, this guy oh, kind yeah. of walks through his like whole like narrative. I guess he was like a digital artist. He'd done some work for like Wizards of the Coast, which is the company that makes uh, Magic the Gathering. Um, and sounds like he was just like at art events and showings and things like that. Like in years past, he was like pretty like, uh, ag- like aggressive hitting on people and things like that. Um, and... It was was like married, but then uh, or is married now, but got kind of canceled last year, or mm. pretty canceled at least in this digital art circle. Um, anyway, he just kind of tweets uh, has this blog post about like how it how it felt and what kind of the sequence of events was. Uh, yeah, I and mean, this guy's probably probably should be canceled. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> it was it was interesting just seeing people kind of like uh, pick apart in the comments like how it went down and like how they think uh, they were discussing like whether whether it is possible to do an apology for stuff like this that actually is like well received by everyone and ever like decreases the amount of ire directed in your direction i think the uh answer was no (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is interesting to think about what to do when there's like some toxic figurehead in part of a community like especially like a open source or like technical Mm -hmm. group of some sort so yeah yeah Weird. It'll be the source of many more hacker news stories to come. This Most drama. definitely. So, in other news, there was a funny post. Well, it's funny for me, but uh, talking about Starlink dishes, which hit thermal shutdown when they hit 122 degrees Fahrenheit. And it's funny because I am currently in a location where the temperature reading outside is 122 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not even like that's not objects outside are getting that warm that's like the temperature of the air well, but anyways <laughs> there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a heat wave going on kind of in the southwestern part of the united states and uh it turns out those those heat waves in the southwest actually are especially bad when you're in the desert 
That is, I had no idea. That's, that's just insane. a little tip for everyone out there. <laughs> but luckily, we don't have uh, Starlink because if we did, it would be way, <laughs> way too hot for them. It, it so would they're... be twice as like twice that temperature probably if you just yes. leave it out sitting in the exactly. sun. Exactly. Yeah. So people are laughing and complaining that like 122 is a ridiculously low. Uh, thermal shutoff for a satellite dish that needs to be outside and in direct sunlight all day. Yeah, um, that so. is wild. So the the van life movement is not going to be in in uh, Palm Springs very often. I'm taking it. No, no well, I, no Palm Springs in the summer might be a yeah might not be a, the strongest suggestion. Wow. Well, if only someone had. Uh, foreseen that living in palm springs for a month in june would have been uh, uh hellish and miserable like regardless like the, of your starlink like the uh austin texas snowstorm that i experienced <laughs> nobody could have seen this coming <laughs> wow wild well we'll see how that goes so these, these are the these kind of early dishes that are just now shipping right yes exactly so it's in beta okay. and uh but so people are not paying, I guess, the full price, but also they're not getting the full service. But yeah, it's definitely still considered in beta. Uh, supposedly, we'll have most of the Earth covered by 2021, is what they what they're saying. So 2021. Yeah, that's the, the that's current now, year. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's that's right now. Oh, excellent. Well, good for good. That's a bold goal. By the excellent. end, by the end of 2021. All right. Okay. We'll we'll see how that actually. Play, that this is a, this is a really funny sentence in this uh, Ars Technica article. It says, "The SpaceX CEO Elon Musk said that Starlink will be available to quote most of the Earth by the end of 2021 and the whole planet by next year." Okay, <laughs> so that that's a little ambiguous. So by next year could mean by the end of next year, I suppose. I uh, right, yeah, yeah, or by the end of 2022. Yes, that's what, must be what they mean, and they also mean Earth when they're talking about the whole planet. But I feel like you can rewrite this sentence to be a lot more clear. <laughs> they decide to instead just to provide gigabit Wi-Fi to all of Pluto or something. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a uh, story here that I thought was pretty interesting. It's called "Rethinking Triple Byte." Oh yeah, they're changing a lot. They're changing a lot. Do you un- do you understand? The nature of what they're doing now? Well, <laughs> uh, I understand what the delta is, but I don't understand really what that means they're going to be. Okay. But basically, you you had to... The, the, the biggest thing in my mind, I believe, is that you had to do this, uh, this triple byte quiz that was like advertised, I don't know, for anybody else, but for me, advertised everywhere. I was constantly seeing these ads to take the triple byte quiz, mm-hmm. which like unlocked the door for... Uh, connecting to jobs triple byte is a like yeah job engineering yes, connection exactly. site um and so they're dropping the requirement that you need to take this this quiz which was like a very in-depth technical quiz i i didn't i never took it but i looked at a few questions and it was like you know exactly what's going on in the hardware when a, a pointer is reallocated or you know things like that yeah exactly and they're switching now i guess they basically describe it as they're going to become a job search plat- platform. Uh, so it's not it's not clear exactly what exact like how it's going to compete with something like Indeed. Um, 
but basically i don't know they they have this whole philosophy where they they say like we don't want to be we don't want to be gatekeepers we don't want to be this placement company uh that like you know holds people's fates in their in our hands or something um and so they're you know it's also just kind of like a weird situation like they kind of describe the fact that there's way more demand for engineers than supply and so it's kind of just like uh that that fact is so true now that there's kind of like not even a point in trying to screen engineers in this way because companies are so desperate that like mm. you know you don't even like the companies don't even care even uh a lot of the time that someone is able to pass some some hard quiz or you know pass some pre-screening right so it's kind of like more reflective of the power dynamics in hiring which i thought was pretty interesting mm. um but I think what one of the funniest parts here uh, is the top hacker news comment, which is, uh, you know, basically like I can't uh, saying like, wow, I keep seeing people describing Triplebyte as a market leader and talking about how great they are. Let me spell it out to y'all. Nobody pivots and changes their entire business model because uh, if they're crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, this is clearly just not actually working for them, uh, regardless of how many billboards you see. Uh, you know, they like have a lot of VC funding because there's a lot of money in, in recruiting, but like this model, and I'm sure they are making a lot of money, but like they're doing this purely for financial reasons because their old model like just has assumptions baked into it that are no longer true. Right. Um, about the, the di power dynamics here. So, uh, it'll probably work out well for them. Yeah. That's a good thing to remember though, that just Large advertising bu budgets does not necessarily mean successful business.